seriously popular. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Lucy Letby is accused of the murder of... Seven babies and the attempted murder of ten others. While she was working on the neonatal unit at the Countess of Chester Hospital. Letby denies all of the charges over the incidents. Lucy Letby was the only person working on the night shift. It was alleged in court that their mother was apparently told by Miss Letby, trust me, I'm a nurse. This is a podcast about one of the most anticipated criminal trials for years. It involves the most shocking of allegations, the alleged murders and attempted murders of tiny, premature babies at the hands of a neonatal nurse whose very job it was to look after them. Lucy Letby is on trial at Manchester Crown Court, accused of killing seven infants and injuring ten more at the Countess of Chester Hospital in Cheshire. In total, there are 22 charges, all of which she denies. I'm Liz Hull, Northern Correspondent for the Mail, I will be in court to report on the case as it develops. And I'm Caroline Cheatham, a broadcast journalist. Every week on this podcast, we'll examine what's happened and bring you the details behind the headlines. This is the trial of Lucy Letby. The case against Lucy Letby is that she murdered or tried to kill 17 babies while she was working as a neonatal nurse at the Countess of Chester Hospital in the northwest of England. She denies the charges. The babies in this trial are not being named for legal reasons, and the identities of their families are also being protected. They're known only as babies A to Q. Seven of the babies died. Ten survived. Each one of these babies was or is someone's son or daughter and the mums, dads and families of every baby are present in court, listening to every detail of how their child was allegedly killed or harmed. We'll be bringing you that detail as the jury is hearing it from the prosecution and defence. We're getting behind the headlines to explain far more than the news reports you'll be reading, watching and listening to. And the importance of a fair trial is paramount, so we won't be getting into anything in this podcast that the jury have not been told, because they are the 12 people who have to decide the outcome of this case. The jury is hearing about each baby in turn. They've been told 15 babies were allegedly killed or harmed by Lucy Letby between June 2015 and June 2016. Today we're focusing on the 16th baby in this case, 
did the prosecution say Lucy Letby murdered 23 hours after she also killed his brother. She's accused of injecting both boys with air into their tummies and bloodstreams, causing them to collapse and die. We'll hear how Lucy Letby allegedly said to a doctor, he's not leaving here alive, is he? And how his parents begged for their surviving son to be moved off the unit. And we should just say that some of the evidence in today's episode is distressing. Welcome to episode 25, The Triplets, part 2, Baby P. So Liz, our episode last Monday, episode 23, was all about Baby O, the middle-born of three identical triplets allegedly murdered by Lucy Letby at the end of June 2016, on her first shift back following a holiday to Ibiza. This week we're focusing on his brother, Baby P. He was the eldest triplet. The prosecution say he was murdered by her less than 23 hours later. So, just to recap, the jury has heard that the triplets were incredibly rare because they were conceived naturally and they were identical. But all three were good weights, more than four pounds, and were in a good condition when they were born. But sadly, Baby O died on June the 23rd, when he was just a few days old. It's the prosecution case that Lucy Letby attacked him three times, injecting him with air and inflicting a traumatic liver injury that led to his repeated collapse and death. And within just a couple of hours of the death of Baby O, it's alleged Lucy Letby began harming his brother, Baby P. So because the doctors on the unit had been left shocked and confused about what had caused the death of Baby O, they decided to review both surviving triplets, Baby P and his brother. The jury heard that at around 6pm, so within a few minutes of Baby O's death, Dr John Gibbs, who was on duty, examined Baby P. He ordered blood tests, an x-ray and also put him on a course of antibiotics in case he had an infection. Lucy Letby was still on duty and according to the notes, she fed Baby P via the tube in his nose and also administered some fluids around the same time. At half seven in the evening, she handed the care of baby P over to nurse Sophie Ellis, who was on the night shift. But Lucy Letby remained on the unit, writing up her notes about baby O. And this is significant, the prosecution say, because at some point between then and 8pm, she deliberately injected air into baby P's feeding tube. The court heard that the x-ray ordered by Dr Gibbs, which was taken shortly after 8pm, showed gas throughout his gut. Dr Owen Arthurs, an expert radiologist at Great Ormond Street Hospital, was called by the prosecution and gave evidence that this was unusual. Dr Arthurs said infection, or a bowel condition common in premature babies, could potentially explain the air, but he added that another alternative was gas had been administered down his feeding tube. Over the course of the evening, jurors were told Baby P had a couple of episodes where his oxygen levels fell and his heart rate was low, but he was still breathing for himself and he wasn't poorly. So that night, Nurse Ellis was looking after Baby P and she gave evidence that she tried to give him milk via his feeding tube in his nose every two hours. But the court heard he was having problems digesting his milk, so a decision was taken to temporarily stop his feeds and to closely monitor him. Now, the triplet's parents were staying overnight at the hospital, but his mother told the court that after losing baby O, they barely slept and were feeling anxious for their other two boys. They were awake at 6am and decided to go and check on their sons. Nurse Alice told the court she'd withdrawn air from baby P's feeding tube at around the same time, 
but his tummy was soft and not swollen. His temperature, breathing and heart rate were also within normal limits. And at 7.30am, Lucy Lettby came on duty for her shift. She was asked to care for baby P, who was being looked after in nursery too. Nurse Christopher Booth, another experienced nurse, was looking after the other triplet who isn't part of the case in the same nursery. The shift leader, Catherine Percival Calderbank, gave evidence that she put Nurse Booth in Nursery 2 with Lucy Letby to give her extra support because of what had happened to Baby O the day before. But she also told the court that, in general, Lucy Letby preferred being in Nurseries 1 and 2 with the most poorly babies. Nurse Percival Calderbant said Lucy Letby told her it was boring in the other nurseries and she didn't just want to feed babies. So Lucy Letby just had baby P to look after on this shift and at around 9.30am, some two hours after she came on duty, registrar Dr Tony Uko reviewed baby P on his ward round. He noted that baby P's abdomen was swollen. He also had slightly mottled skin, but his heart rate and oxygen levels were fine. But around 10 minutes later, at 9.40am, baby P suffered a serious collapse. His heart rate and oxygen levels plummeted, and a call went out for help. And this is significant, Liz, because it's the prosecution case that some time between Dr Uko reviewing baby P on his ward round and his collapse just 10 minutes later, Lucy Letby injected air into his feeding tube which caused his tummy to swell and squash his lungs, prompting a cardiac arrest. Yes, and Dr Uko quickly returned to his bedside and he said one of the nurses, he couldn't remember exactly which one, asked if Dr A the doctor who Lucy Letby had a close friendship with, could attend. The nurse wanted Dr A in particular, he said. So Dr A was bleeped and arrived soon afterwards, as did Dr B, the senior female consultant on duty. A bag was used to give baby P oxygen, and Dr A also decided to put a breathing tube into his mouth so he could be put on a ventilator to help his breathing. But baby P didn't respond, and at 9.55am CPR began. He was also given his first shot of adrenaline to help kickstart his heart. This was followed by a further two doses at two minutes past ten and eight minutes past ten. Calls were also made to have baby P transferred to a more specialist hospital nearby. He recovered quickly, but the court heard at around 11.30am his oxygen levels fell again. A note written by Lucy Letby was shown to the jury. She said his circulation was poor, he remained mottled, and his tummy appeared full. CPR was started for a second time, and a further dose of adrenaline was given. The resuscitation continued for six minutes before his circulation returned, and he stabilised. He was also put on a drip of adrenaline to try and improve his blood pressure. Dr B told jurors he appeared to recover quickly again, and was fighting against the ventilator, so they gave him some medication to paralyse and sedate him. Baby P stabilised and Dr B said that around this time she and colleagues breathed a sigh of relief. She said she thought they were winning because baby P was the best he'd been all day and she was hopeful because the transport team were on their way to take him to the specialist centre. But around this time Dr B said she remembered Lucy Letby saying something she described as shocking. She told jurors Lucy Letby commented that baby P was not leaving the Countess alive. Her evidence has been voiced by an actor. I remember saying the transport team are going to be here soon, almost thinking out loud. I was literally counting the minutes before they arrived. 
Staff nurse Letby said, he's not leaving here alive, is he? Which I found absolutely shocking at the time. I turned around and said, don't say that. All these years on, seven years on, that memory is still very much alive in my mind. We see babies who are very, very sick, who are very, very unwell. Even when we know their chances of survival are very poor, personally for me, that's something I would never let myself think. It's that hope that makes you keep trying. Because baby P had stabilised, Dr B said she and Dr A decided to go to the tea room on the unit to grab a drink. But the kettle hadn't even had the chance to boil, she said, before another staff member called for them to return to baby P urgently. And when they returned, Dr B said Lucy Letby was with baby P, who was crashing. She told the jury she couldn't remember if anyone else was in the nursery. And she said that, although he was paralysed, it looked as if baby P had dislodged his breathing tube. So Dr A re-intubated baby P and they began CPR for a third time. This time, baby P received five doses of adrenaline in 16 minutes as doctors battled to keep him alive. The dose of adrenaline in his drip was also doubled and he was given more medicine for his blood pressure. CPR was eventually stopped after 22 minutes when he recovered again at around 12.50pm. Dr A told the court, There was no clearly identifiable cause for what was going on. We were managing symptoms as they arose. His difficulty with breathing... Low cardiac output, low blood pressure. Around this time, doctors also discovered baby P had a small puncture in his right lung and a needle was inserted to try to remove some of the air which was causing his lung to collapse. At about 3pm, Dr A inserted a chest drain to try and help resolve the puncture and around the same time, the transport team, led by experienced neonatologist Dr Oliver Rackham, arrived to take baby P to Liverpool Women's Hospital. Sadly, that never happened because minutes later, at 3.14pm, Baby P collapsed and needed CPR for a fourth and final time. He was given seven more doses of adrenaline over the course of 39 minutes, including a high-dose shot of the drug at 3.35pm. But the court heard there was no response. Doctors struggled for almost 45 minutes to save Baby P but ultimately all attempts to resuscitate him were unsuccessful and he died at around 4pm. Dr A was asked by prosecuting barrister Simon Driver, You were involved in the care of baby P from birth to death. Were you able to understand the course his life took over those few days? No, he simply replied. Jurors were told that baby P's parents were on the unit while all this was going on. They'd arrived soon after his first collapse, just before 10am. In her statement to the court, his mother described watching an almost identical scene as the one the day before. Her words had been voiced by an actor. When we got down to the neonatal unit, it was like deja vu. Everyone was running around again. It was chaotic. The same doctors and Lucy, the nurse, were all there again. Due to the amount of people in the nursery too, I sat outside in the corridor for a long periods of time while the medical staff worked on baby P. At one point, a younger female doctor was sitting at a small computer outside Nursery 2, googling what looked like a relatively simple procedure, inserting a line into the chest. They needed to perform this procedure because baby P's lungs had collapsed during CPR. Naturally, this alarmed me. She was relaying this information to the other doctors. At some point, they told my partner they were looking to transfer baby P to Liverpool Women's Hospital. They appeared to be trying to stabilise baby P 
but he kept collapsing. He looked very similar to Baby O, with a discoloration and prominent veins. His treatment continued for hours. The transport team arrived, headed by a young male consultant from Arrow Park Hospital, called Dr Oliver Rackman. The reaction from staff was incredible to watch. This guy just took over. The staff just did what he said. I immediately felt reassured on his arrival. He was calm, whereas everyone else seemed panicked. Eventually, he decided Baby P shouldn't be resuscitated anymore. When Baby P passed away around 4pm, Dr Ackman brought him over to me and was so apologetic. He said he couldn't believe what had happened. He stayed with me for some time. My partner and I begged him to take our surviving son with him. Eventually, he agreed. After Baby P passed away, Lucy was extremely upset and emotional. She was in pieces and almost as upset as we were. She brought Baby O and Baby P down to see us in a Moses basket before we left for Liverpool. She dressed Baby P and took pictures of both boys. She was in floods of tears. The triplet's father told police in his video interview that Lucy Letby was upset after their second son died. The following exchange begins with the detective and is voiced by actors. What do you remember with Baby P? I just remember going down and when we got there, it was just like pandemonium. It was absolutely mental. Worse than a day before, obviously. Because of what happened the day before, they were like, bloody hell, we can't let this happen again. There seemed to be more people on the unit. You mentioned before Baby O had an ET belly. With Baby P, there was none of that. The only discomfort I remember with him, you could see him struggling for his life, but I can't remember seeing his belly swell. What reason did the medical staff tell you was wrong with Baby P? Again, I don't think we got any reason. At what point did the transport team arrive? Quite later on. Must have been early evening. They fought with Baby P for not long, maybe 10 to 15 minutes. Not long after they arrived, Baby P passed away and they couldn't do any more. While they were there, we begged for them to take our surviving son. We said there's no way he's staying at this hospital. You've got to take him, otherwise we'll take him ourselves. But obviously he was too small. They agreed to take him over. I am pretty sure that it was Lucy Letby who wheeled the two boys down to see us in the cold box. I'm sure it was her. 110% it was her. She said how sorry she was. She was very tearful and very upset. I'm pretty certain Lucy Letby dressed a pair of them because we'd picked out little matching outfits for them. She did the boxes for us. She went out of her way to get an SD memory card that goes into a camera so we had plenty of memory to take plenty of pictures. But Dr B told jurors something slightly different about Lucy Letby's behaviour after Baby P's death. She told jurors she remembered Lucy Letby being quite excited and animated when they went to see his parents soon afterwards. Her evidence to the court has been voiced by an actor. After Baby P passed away, myself and senior nurse Letby went down to speak to the parents. I remember feeling I don't know how to face them. The parents were sitting there and I told them Baby P was going to need a post-mortem. Senior Ness Letby was behind me and one of the things I found unusual was she was almost sort of very animated. Do you want me to make a memory box for him? You know, like I did for Baby O yesterday. I remember thinking, this is not a new baby, this is a dead baby. Why are you so excited about this? I found that was very inappropriate. Not what was said, just how she said it. And the doctor told the court that, like the triplet's parents, she also wanted the surviving brother to be transferred out of the Countess. Yes, she told jurors that she thought to herself that Lucy Letby was a danger to him 
and that leaving the hospital was the only way he is going to live. Mr Myers, Lucy Letby's barrister, accused Dr B of dramatising what happened for the benefit of the jury and suggested Lucy Letby's comments had been taken out of context in what was a distressing situation for all staff. But Dr B insisted the comments Lucy Letby made were highly unusual and she said she was not exaggerating anything. Honestly, that's how I felt at the time. I've no intention of dramatising anything. It's tragic enough as it is. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Soon afterwards, the court heard the triplets' parents went off to Liverpool Women's Hospital with their remaining son, and Lucy Letby stayed late for the second night running to write up her notes. And around the same time, she resumed her Facebook conversation with Dr A. Yes, and before we outline these messages, which were shown to the jury, we should explain that Lucy Letby pricked herself with a needle at some point during the failed resuscitation, and in line with hospital protocol, went to A&E to get checked out and to have some blood tests. But while she was there, she fainted. The messages between her and Dr A begin at about 20 past nine that evening, while she's still at the hospital. Have you been seen yet? Yes, just got back. I made a fool of myself while there. I asked them to be quick for you. How did you make a fool of yourself? Did you really? They said someone had asked for me to be seen ASAP, and they knew what happened today. Everyone talking about it whilst I was there. I fainted. I asked them to see you quickly, as a favour. I didn't give any details about today. Maybe someone from the unit also called. Oh, are you okay now? Bit shaky, but okay. Writing my notes. They were reluctant to let me go, as on my own. You could have bleeped me. I'm almost a responsible adult. I did think about it, but thought you would be in resus. I'm okay anyway. Do you need a lift home? No, I will be okay, thanks. Not finished yet anyway. I can wait. It's no problem. Can you give me ten mins? Okay. I'm done. Just outside the front door. Two secs. So Dr A dropped Lucy Letby home just after 10pm, but around an hour and 20 minutes later, they resume their conversation via Facebook, which continues until one in the morning. Thanks for the lift and for talking to A&E. I couldn't have you walking back in the dark after a rubbish day, 
mini needle stick and an A&E faint. Thank you. Appreciated. Did you talk to Belinda about allocation for tomorrow? Yes, she's going to try and give me a lighter workload, but said we'll have to see how it goes overnight, with 30 weaker and twins delivering overnight. Only five of us on, too. What are you doing? I can't concentrate on anything, sad face emoji. Wanting to, cry emoji. Did in the car, must have looked a right mess when I got in. I keep thinking of them both in the cot together. So peaceful, yet beyond words, how awful it is. I know, Dad was pushing them back to you. He stopped and thanked me, crying emoji. I gave him a hug. It seemed the only thing to do, crying emoji. So sad. The family all thanked me when I took baby P in dressed. And I know age doesn't make it any easier slash harder, but such a lot to go through at a young age. I don't know how it would be possible to get over losing a child, let alone two. Crying emoji. Think my head may explode. So Lucy Letby went to bed, but the court heard, unbeknown to her, some of the consultants on the unit were so suspicious that they decided she must be removed from work until a proper investigation could be carried out. We covered a lot of this in our bonus episode, episode 24, on Friday. But in a nutshell, Baby P's death prompted the head of the neonatal unit, Dr Stephen Breary, to phone the hospital executive on duty and demand Lucy Letby be removed from work immediately. But his request was refused, and Lucy Letby returned to work the following day, which is when she allegedly harmed the final baby in this case, Baby Q, who we'll hear more about in a couple of weeks' time. Lucy Letby denies murdering or harming any babies in her care, so what did Ben Myers, her KC, say about what happened to baby P? So like in the case of his brother, Mr Myers said baby P had suboptimal or poor care at the Countess. He suggested his deterioration the night before he died was due to too much milk being given to him by Nurse Ellis, and that the air she removed from his tummy was due to some new problem going on in his gut. Nurse Ellis admitted this was a possibility, but she also said the air could have been there all along and only aspirated in the early hours because the tip of the feeding tube in his stomach had moved. The court also heard blood tests later showed no evidence that he had an infection. Mr Myers said baby P's death could have been caused by complications related to his punctured lung. He suggested the puncture was caused by vigorous resuscitation attempts by the doctors or because they'd set the air pressures too high when they attached him to the ventilator, helping him breathe. Dr Breary admitted that this was possible, but said it was highly unlikely that the punctured lung caused baby P's collapse, because once it was spotted, it was quickly resolved, more than three and a half hours before his death. Mr Myers also pointed out to Dr Dowie Evans, the prosecution's expert witness, that his first report on baby P actually blamed the punctured lung for his death. The barrister accused Dr Evans of inventing an extra dollop of air being administered to baby P on the morning of June 24th to take his theory over the line and support the allegation of murder against Lucy Letby. Dr Evans denied this, but he admitted that after listening to the evidence from doctors who treated baby P, that he'd changed his mind about what caused his collapse. Mr Myers also pointed out that there'd been a mistake in the amount of adrenaline given to baby P 
who was accidentally given double the intended dose in his drip over the course of the afternoon. He suggested the drug could have made his condition worse. But Dr Rackham told the jury that Baby P suffered no apparent side effects from the increased dosage, as did Dr Sandy Bowen, the other prosecution expert. She said neither his blood pressure or heart rate went up dramatically, as would be expected if he'd had too much. And both Dr Bowen and Dr Evans agreed that air had been injected into Baby P's tummy before his death. They told jurors it squashed his lungs and splinted his diaphragm, which compromised his breathing and caused his collapse. So that's it for episode 25. Now, Liz, we should let everyone know that you won't be back next Monday as you are away for a couple of weeks, but I'll be here as usual with my special guest presenter, Kim Pilling. Kim is a reporter for the Press Association who's been in court with me every day of the trial so far. And in fact, Kim was in one of the early episodes, Liz, episode four, where he walked us through his career as a court reporter for the Press Association for, well, I think over 20 years. So it'll be great having him alongside me for a couple of weeks. The prosecution case is nearing the end now, so the jury will shortly hear about the final baby in the case, Baby Q. You'll still be able to read reports on the case in the mail and on Mail Plus while I'm away. You can also give the podcast a rating and you can follow us on Twitter at Lucy Letby Trial or send us an email at thetrialoflucyletby at gmail.com. See you then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Our hit series, Everything I Know About Me, is back for a brand new season. And this time, our guest needs no introduction. Oh, gosh, you find me, Darren! But here's one anyway. Hi, I'm Gemma Collins, and this is everything I know about me. If you think you know all about Gemma Collins, think again. Because this is the GC as you've never heard her before. It's been exhausting. Unashamed. And I was really heartbroken because I was pregnant and he was having an affair. Unfiltered. I have had an operation as well years ago. I have a designer vagina. Yeah, baby. I don't have camel toe. Unbelievable. And then they advised me, you need to have a termination. And, uh, yeah... I remember that being really stressful. Everything I know about me with Gemma Collins is out this Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.